You know, um, I'm not sure who these are. You know when you come into church, and you know, I know what I was going to say, but everything that's sort of happened, people have spoken to me this morning, the worship songs, your testimony, you know, everything, Scott's opening, everything comes into, like someone's planned it. And it's just wonderful, and that's what I feel today. Um, so my talk is called Wholeheartedly. Now, a bit like what you said, Dennis, it's not a word I would normally use, but I was spending time with God in August and praying quietly, and I heard, not audibly, but very clearly, wholeheartedly, come wholeheartedly. And I thought, well, I'll just put it in my notes on my phone, and I'll check it later. I went back to it the next day, and I just kept it in my prayers, and then a couple of weeks later, I got home, and Mark hadn't asked me to do this talk, but I started just typing. And what I typed then, back in August, is what I want to share with you, um, with tweaks from Mark. <laughs> um, so I went to the Word to check where this comes from, this wholeheartedly. I didn't know anything off the top of my head, but I knew this um, verse in Mark 12:30, And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. This is the first commandment. And that was it. That's where I started. It is the greatest commandment. And if we focus on that, we can't really go wrong. But <laughs> we're humans, right? Just very quickly, Faith Life teaches this, but I want to remind us that our heart is not just this beating organ of blood and oxygen around our body. It is our mind, our will, and emotions. And that's what I'm talking about today. Um, and I believe that when God created us in this amazing form, he had an incredible plan, a design, a design plan, should we say, about how we would live and what our hearts would look like, that we would be in Eden with him in this constant, beautiful relationship with righteous, perfect, loving hearts full of grace, and that our hearts would reflect what his heart looks like. And I really genuinely believe that is why we have Jesus given to us, so that we can get back to that position. We can get back to that perfect relationship with Jesus where our hearts are exactly like his. So when you accept Jesus as your savior, you start on that path to become more like him, that change in your heart, that potential for change, more to be like Jesus, who is the man with the perfect heart. The issue, like I said, is that we're human and we're fallible. And there are so many variables in life. Um, We've been given mind, free will, and emotion. We've got those choices. That's kind of number one issue. God so greatly gave us free will, but it's where we have to make the right choices, and it's where we can fall down. Our emotions, too. We have human experiences. That's our interactions with other people. And I wrote something like the power of memory, because I really think that holds people, and it's something that we need to be aware of. Um, we're surrounded by outside pressures, the things that are going on around us, whether they're small personal things or big worldwide stuff like what's happening right now. And it's who we listen to, what podcasts we plug into, what we read, what we talk about. All of those things are outside pressures. We have an internal monologue that runs along underneath those outside pressures. And that monologue doesn't always align with what God says about us. And that's really important. And there's sin. There's sin in the world. There's the sin that we commit, whatever it is. There's the sin that others commit, whether it's against us or around us. 
and we're on the periphery of, you know, that touches our lives. And then there's that admission about sin. Like, what do, you, what do you understand about it? So it all comes as a package, sin and how it touches you. We are vulnerable to all of these variables. It wasn't God's plan to have them in our lives, but they are. When Eve believed the lies of the enemy, we're in the same position as her. It just looks like different stuff. Okay, we're not looking at an apple. It's all the today stuff that we're surrounded by. And when your life is full of variables, you struggle to be wholehearted for Jesus because you're full up. Now, when I was looking in the Word, I couldn't find anywhere that said, fear God just a little bit or come to him, but make sure you keep some back for yourself or seek him with just a bit of your strength or serve him if you feel like it and you've got time. Or give, but make sure you keep some back for yourself. He doesn't say that. Nowhere in the word does that what he says. He wants our hearts to reflect his heart. I'm doing a lot of reading because it's quite a lot of information. <laughs> now, imagine you have got... My, my, my picture originally was like an old basket, you know, like a carrying the eggs from the farmhouse kind of basket. But I've changed it to be a bit more modern, a bit more appropriate. Imagine those massive wheelies you get in the airport, the hard case ones, and you've got two. That is your life capacity, your life luggage. And Scott said this when he opened up about your baggage. I'm not going to call it baggage because it's a bit negative, but it's your luggage. It's what you accumulate every day in life, all the things I was talking about. They don't have to be bad, but there's stuff in there, right? And I know when I came to be a Christian before I was even a teenager, because of how I'd grown up, I had life luggage already, and I had to hand it over to God, surrender my life luggage to him. And at Matthew eleven twenty-eight thirty, 30, he says, Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, learn from me, for I am gentle and lonely in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So when you have all your life luggage, your stuff, and you give it to Jesus, you don't leave empty-handed. He gives you something back that's better, that is more focused on him, that is more precious, that is more purpose-filled. You don't go away empty. The thing is about us humans, we're quite good at giving over and then taking it back, giving over, taking it back. And we have to be super grateful. I am very grateful that we have a God who is faithful and really patient with us. And he's always waiting for us. So this is the tricky part. It's the you part. What can you identify in your life luggage or your life that may be keeping you from being wholehearted for God? Well, it might be something really little. It might be something massive. And I've talked about it before when I've been stood here at one thing, life group, I've got a list of stuff that keeps me being from, from me being wholehearted. However hard I try, I am trying. And it's something you work on every day with Jesus, with the Holy Spirit. For me, it's my kids. Would you believe it? It's not wrong that I love them with all my heart, but it's because I love them first. 
And it's, it's those things that you do first before God. They're the things that I'm talking about. When you listen to the radio or the podcast before you listen to his voice. When you chat to your friends for advice before you seek him in prayer. Those things are what stop you from being wholehearted. And I say that love I give out first, it goes to my kids. And it's fortunately, he's patient and we're working on it. <laughs> um, the other thing I have that is a bit of an issue for me is that notion of provision and trust and, and, being, and getting what I need. Um, and that I always am so impressed with my brother and his wife that they just allow it all to be to God and they are provided for. It's incredible. Whereas I'm a bit like, right, this is what I want to do. This is what I need. I'm going to go and get it. When you do that, that I do, when you're in charge, you can't be wholehearted for God because you're doing it yourself. Okay, so it's, that, it's those things. And I'm not here to criticize anybody at all. Um, the point is we have to identify those things in our lives and take hold of them and know that our work in progress lives, which is what they are, if you identify those things, you will progress further, quicker, more beautifully with Jesus because your heart is more for him. I've identified them into three categories in case I haven't gone on about them enough. The first one is the you stuff, the stuff about you that you choose, your work, your time, what you've got available for God. And I put you here as in selfishness. Putting yourself first is a you issue that can stop you coming close to God wholeheartedly. And out of that becomes things like those sort of negative emotions, um, seeing the bad in somebody, holding bitterness. Um, this is not an ongoing list, just a few. Um, complaining can stop you coming to God wholeheartedly, seeing the bad. Um, holding on to grudges or unforgiveness or anger, those things, you are in control of them. And if you give them to him, you have more space for him. Then there's the outside stuff, that stuff that happens around you. Like I've said before, what you listen to, what you're distracted by, but also who you hang around with, the stuff you talk about, gossip, joining in a conversation that's speaking badly about someone else or even speaking badly about you. God doesn't talk about you like that. If you're treated badly, someone's horrible to you or cruel to you, that's an outside pressure. It's an outside thing you've got to unpack. Because actually what happens if you don't, it leads on to other things like guilt, shame, sadness. And they take up a lot of space in your luggage. It's the stuff that you're left with, that hangover. I've written a hangover of your history. The stuff you hold on to in your memory that happened to you. If you keep holding on to it, you can't trust God in that area because you're just clinging tight. Then there's the last category, which Mark talked briefly about last week, is the strongholds. They're beyond choice now, and they're beyond what's outside of you. They're another thing in themselves. They're not necessarily bad or better. It's just that they are separate, and we have to identify them as that. Because I'm talking about things like fear, addiction. Um, they are different, and it's, I'm not going to pretend they're not. You might want desperately to get hold of them and get rid of them, but be struggling. And the only thing I can say is that we have an awesome, powerful God who can break chains, who can remove from your life that thing that needs to be removed, who can banish forever 
the thing that you are stuck with that's got its claws in you and that's keeping you from being free. And when that thing is gone, you can be more wholehearted for him. And if that is something that you're dealing with, there's prayer available at the end of today, whether it's Mark, me, somebody on the prayer team, elders. Please don't sit and think you can't get rid of it. And the thing that jumps in on the end is self-doubt as a separate category. Because you might be thinking, Nikki, oh yeah, nice to chat, but my heart is really full of rubbish. Or my heart is, no one's going to want it, let alone God. Don't doubt yourself. And you can break free of those things. You can put down what you need to be unpacking. You can come wholeheartedly because God wants your heart regardless of condition. It doesn't matter what it looks like or what's happened. God went to the greatest lengths to get your heart. We were singing about it. And in John 3, 16 and 17, we're reminded, and we all know it, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. It doesn't say, exactly, it doesn't say, for God so loved the perfect people who had dealt with all their stuff and loved him with their whole heart. It doesn't say that. So remember that. It's for you. God loves you with all of your nonsense luggage. He would love you regardless what you bring. But he will love you when you get rid of it and you come to him wholeheartedly. How do we do this? <laughs> we have to change, guys. We have to change. Um, and it's not just like a, it's done. You have to recognize, like I said, identify in your life what it is. Then you can put it down and break free. And it's not just like a quick quick thing. It might take time. Like I said, I'm still working on stuff with God, and it will take time. It's okay. You can ask the Holy Spirit to change you daily to work on transformation. You can step out. You can expect that God wants your whole heart and that you can change your life so that he can have it. You have to ask you have to seek. You have to want it. It isn't going to happen just because you're like, right, I heard about it. And wait, it's not going to happen like that. This is something you've got to join in with. And the caveat is when you unload your luggage, you get rid of that stuff, whether it's the you, the outside or the strongholds, when they're gone and you've got this empty space that God says he will fill, you have to seek him. Because if you don't, the enemy will put nonsense in there. Okay, it's not that God's waiting to be in your, in your life, but you've got to invite him and you've got to seek his kingdom first. Otherwise, that will happen. So just to illustrate it one more time is that when you go on holiday, my sister's a bit different to me. You plan, you save your money, you read the reviews, you book your restaurants, you make all these wonderful lists and you tick them off and you, you, you've got this wonderful holiday waiting to happen. Katie packs about three weeks in advance and everything's listed and she knows exactly what's in her bags. I, on the other hand, am a, we're going in eight hours, lob it all in a bag kind of packer. I'm the worst, right? I have got two massive wheelies 
bursting with the extra zips fully packed, all right? That's all very well and good. But what I'm doing is I'm, I know I'm going somewhere where it's 35 degrees. I've got jumpers in my bag just in case. I've got an insurance policy just in case. I've got all the medicaments that I've pinched from my mum's house just in case I can't find, you know, in, in a Western country a pharmacy. I have got everything I could possibly need for myself. And then I come to go and I'm like, oh, hold on. My wash bag, my toothbrush, toothpaste, deodorant, important, passport. I've got no space for it. My bags are full. Where do you put your essentials? Jesus needs to have space in your life. You can't wedge him in over, over like overweight. There's got to be space for him. You've got to unpack that just in case, rely on myself stuff and make sure there's space for him. And there's a really amazing passage in Colossians that says how you pack your life. It doesn't say that, but it's that idea. Focus on what you put in. It says, if then you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above. Where Christ is, sitting at the right hand of God, set your mind on things above, not on things on the earth. For you died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. We're being told what to, to look at, what to focus on, what to put in our lives. We don't focus on those things. You get overweight luggage with no room for Jesus. Don't spend your time with people, things, stuff that take up the space and you can't put your essentials in. So keeping on with like the, the real element, we're real people and I made that fallible list of variables around us. I wanted to think about David and I ended up in the Psalms. So I'm all over the show in this talk today. Um, David was a real human who had variables in his life and he struggled with them, but he was also one of the most incredible men who was wholehearted for God. So I wanted to look in Psalms and I started in 5117. Um, after David has committed sin, incredible sin with adultery, with Bathsheba, at verse 17, he sa- the psalmist says, the sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and a contrite heart. These, O God, you will not despise. We can do all the bad things, but if you identify it and give it to him, God will not despise it. He wants it from you. And I stayed in Psalms, and I was thinking about 119, which I did not know at all, but I knew your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. I knew that. So I went to this Psalm, and if you haven't seen it before, it's like an epic. You could do a series on the whole thing. It's like alphabetized stanzas, there's all these rules in there, it's very themed, it's brilliant, but it's too long. So take a moment and have a read. I'm not going to read it now. Um, It refers a lot to the heart, but also to testimonies, commandments, precepts, statutes, judgments, these big words that are God's word, the law. And what I want to point out is that those things aren't around for us. The word and God's idea of how we live isn't there, so we're tripped up. We're not trying to fail at the word and fail at what we're supposed to do. God has put those things there for us as a guidebook. It's the lamp to our path. <laughs> it's our packing list. It's what you put in your life. So I'm going to read a few verses 
um, and start at the beginning. Um, 119 verse 1. Blessed are the undefiled in the way who walk in the law of the Lord. Blessed are those who keep his testimonies, who seek him with the whole heart. If you seek God with your whole heart, you will be blessed. It can't be much more simple than that. And the rules that he's asking you to follow are his word. They're the boundaries, like I said, the pathways. They are our way to live in relationship with God, for our hearts to be aligned with his heart and reflect what his heart is for us. And when you seek to know the word and follow it, I'm not saying it's easy and I don't get it right, your lives will be blessed and will be better. God will be glorified as well. And that's what we should be doing all of it for. The second section is at verse 10, and it's explaining what you can do with God's word, which is, with my whole heart I have sought you. Oh, let me not wander from your commandments. Your word I have hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. This is top tip of this psalm, I think. If you seek God wholeheartedly and hide his word in your heart, so learn it, you will be sustained in the good times and the really hard times. It will keep you on the pathway. It keeps you away from sin, whether it's yours or other people's. When there's sin in your life, there's horrible things that go in your luggage. So it keeps you away from that. And the stuff that takes up space in your heart is associated with sin. So if you keep to the word, you're blocking out that stuff getting in. It's a framework of truth I've written here in big bold. It's there for us to use. A little bit further forward, verse 30. Thank you, Jules, for doing my slides, by the way. <laughs> um, this one's, there's quite a lot to unpack in this, in this two verse, three verses. It says, I have chosen the way of truth. Your judgments I have laid before me. I cling to your testimonies. Oh Lord, do not put me to shame. I will run the course of your commandments for you shall enlarge my heart. Now chosen in this first line means really considered the options. You're not just like, what biscuit shall I have? Pick it up and go. It's, it's a, like looking at what, is a, what information you have and you see the character of God. He's a trustworthy God and you choose it. You choose him as the way of truth. And God has, David chose God because of his character. And when you choose God with your whole heart, you will get an enlarged heart, which is amazing. More space for God, more space for Jesus, more space for the Holy Spirit in your enlarged heart. When you cling to God and you cling to the word, you are holding on to the good stuff and you're letting go of the bad stuff, okay? That's what he wants for us to do. And with all of that, you get a bigger heart. And I don't really think there's anything that can be worse, uh, better, sorry. Um, next section, verse 34. Give me understanding and I shall keep your law. Indeed, I shall observe it with my whole heart. Make me walk in the path of your commandments for I delight in it. Incline my heart to your testimonies and not to covetousness. Turn my eyes from looking at worthless things and revive me in your way. If you ask for God's understanding of the laws that he had then and his word, then you can observe. And I don't mean like look at the bird in the sky, observe. To observe in this context means to keep, to guard, 
to attend to and to protect. So you are keeping to protecting the word of God and how that makes you behave. You are attending to him with your whole heart. And if you ask God to turn away your eyes, you're asking him to remove those distractions from your life. Get focused on him. The worthless things that take up space. I've called it the throne of my heart before, like, but it's what's in your life luggage. Ask God to keep you focused on him. And you can also ask him to incline my heart towards you. Can you imagine hearing that? For all of us to say, God, incline my heart towards you. I imagine he would only be very pleased. And the last um, verse I want to look at, right near 145, like I say, you could do a whole series, is um, I cry out with my whole heart, hear me, O Lord, I will keep your statutes. This is what he wants, to cry out to him, to listen to what he's told us in the word, what he is in the living word, to keep to it. If we do what he's asking us to do, we are coming to him wholeheartedly. The thing is, we are a work in progress. We are a changing individual person. Our hearts are on the move. Our hearts are changing. But when you observe, like I said in that earlier verse, and you lean in, you cling to God, and you obey him, everything else comes from there, and you get this pattern of then you get more faith and more trust, and then good things happen, and you can lean in more, and you can obey more, and you become more easily wholehearted for God. And again, it's, it's to reflect his heart. God's heart is that of love, faithfulness, and trust. And if we lean into him, we will get those things reflected in our lives. And like I said a bit earlier, we need to identify those things in our lives that we need to remove. And that's not very easy when we live in a world where we're like, we're, I'm so great. Look how brilliant I am, how great my life is. That doesn't lead you to easily say that these are the bad, these are the hard things, these are the things I need to get rid of. And what we need for that is humility. Um, and it's beautifully titled, Humility Cures Worldliness. And it's James 4, 7 to 10. When I read it first, actually, I was a bit unsure, but then I read it a lot, and it really does make sense. Therefore, submit to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Lament and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourself in the sight of the Lord and he will lift you up. It's not an easy thing to do. He's talking about lamenting and mourning and weeping. It's not like a, sorry, this stuff's bad, hand it over. You've got to mean it. And when you give that stuff to him, that stuff you've been clinging on to that isn't him, he will lift you up. When you let go of your luggage that you've been holding on to tight and you give it to God, he's going to lift you up out of that harder place. And then you are more wholehearted for him. So the how-to, the, you know, the answer is obvious, but it is the word. <laughs> um, Psalm 119 is actually called A Meditation on the Excellencies of the Word of God, which I thought was brilliant. Um, but I kept it, the title, till now, because it's theory. Just the excellencies of the, of the meditations of the Word. That's all learning theory. We can read, we can study, 
But if it stays theory, nothing changes. Mark has done two talks already, and I'm tacking mine onto the end of this about like proactively, practically changing, doing things that are practical. The theory keeps you very well learned, but in the same space. And only sermons that are practical will grow your faith and help you change and transform. So I want to give you some points that you can act on practically. Um, and it's why Mark does the teaching how he does. And it's why we as this church are moving because we are making practical changes. It's practical things, not pie in the sky things, Mark told me. And it was so, it really rung home. So I'm going to give you some practical things to do. And when I was typing away back in August, I didn't notice it. But when I reread re it, I've got facts for you. I love, love it. <laughs> I'm so pleased. <laughs> so F is the easy one. It's faith. Easy to say, not always easy to have in your life. Okay? I'm, I'm going to read... Romans 10, 17, so then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. If you find faith hard to get, get in the word. That's it. Because there's no good talking about it, listening to it. You need to read it and hear it and digest it for yourself. Because when you look at a rainbow in the sky and you acknowledge the promises given to Noah, you are acknowledging that the God here today is the God back then. The same God that saved Noah from the floods, that saved the Israelites at Passover, that delivered them from Egypt. It's the same God that sends rainbows for us to remind us of his promises. And he's the same God that's in your Bible. He has an unchanging character. He's a promise-keeping God. And that is how you find your faith. And when your faith is strengthened, this is a short section, the next step will be easier. And actually, vice versa. A is for action. You need to actively act here. Your luggage isn't unpacking itself. Nothing passive whatsoever about practical steps. You've got to partake in it, and you've got to want to partake in it. There's no waiting around hoping that someone is just going to do it all for you, because you're going to find yourself stuck. So we need to get practical to see changes in our lives. So it's funny that it's not funny at all. It's, it's wonderful. But I'm going to skip to Ephesians, which is one of my favorite passages. Um, because in the Word, it's where you find your faith. But it's also where you find your how-to list of how to act, how to behave. And this is probably one of my favorite passages. It's Ephesians 3, 12 to 17. I am going to read it all because I love it. Therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, put on tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering, bearing with one another, and forgiving one another. If anyone has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, so you also must do. But above all these things, put on love, which is the bond of perfection, and let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to which also you are called in one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. And whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. That is how you act. Take action. 
Because by doing those things, by putting on kindness and long-suffering and meekness and forgiving, you are putting out the unforgiveness, the anger, the complaining, the stuff that takes up space in your luggage. It's not hard. There's a list here, a beautiful list that Paul wrote to the church at Ephesus. It still applies to us today. We don't want to not do it because it doesn't suit our lives. This is an ongoing living thing. And that letter is as appropriate now for us as it was then. So be active. Read it, but do it. It's easier said than done, I know, but that we've got to do it. But also I've written here, be active in how you think. Take action in your mind. Because that's where your action starts. You think about it, then you go and do it. You have to take captive your thoughts. 2 Corinthians 10, 3, 5 for though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. If your thoughts aren't obedient to Christ, then the action is going to be harder to do to take towards being obedient to Christ. You've got to take, action, take captive your thoughts and then your action needs to be in line with the word. I'm not going to read it, but you also need to put on your spiritual armor. That is part of your thinking process. Put it on. It protects you from those fiery arrows and it's part of your faith as well. Okay, If you believe that that's what's going to keep you safe. F for faith, A for action. The C is about remembering who you are as a people. We are a chosen people. You, each one of you, are chosen. Chosen by God. He chose your heart. And if you consider yourself with that high regard, you will have more faith. And you might find it easier then to take action. Because if you look at yourself, how God looks at you, as this beautiful child, perfect, <laughs> you will find it easier. And I'm going to read, um, actually, what, what you read earlier, Ephesians 1, 3 to 6. Blessed be the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ, just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love, having predestined us to adoptions as sons by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of his glory, of his grace by which he made us accepted in the beloved. We've chosen wholly to be blameless before him. I can't believe that we would want to reject that offering because we want to cling on to that stuff. He's chosen you. He wants your heart. He wants it regardless of condition. And he's going to be there with you as you make your changes, as you step out in faith and action. Faith, action, because you're chosen, and T is my hard one, trust. You've got to trust him. And it's different to faith. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all our ways, acknowledge him and he shall direct your paths at Proverbs 3, 5 to 6. You have to trust that the same God who showed up for Noah and the Israelites is the same God that is going to show up for your unimaginably hard impossible to solve crisis moments in life. You have to trust that that is the position. And that if you believe that Jesus' spirit is as alive in you as it is alive in every Christian, 
you might be able to see it more clearly and trust in him even more. And when you do that, you can come more wholeheartedly. And my S is, there's actually one on um, my slide, I think, is facts. I've put it separately because it's about action again, but it is very specifically action to God, whereas action earlier is about you. Service and sacrifice is our actions to him. If you have your life luggage full to bursting and you want to make space for Jesus in your life and make space for God and more space for Holy Spirit, you've got to sacrifice some stuff in there. You've got to unpack it. I'm re-saying what I've said already. But it is also a sacrifice to have faith and trust in God because you're putting aside and sacrificing all those things you've trusted and had faith in before. You have to put them down. You're making a sacrifice when you take action to put God first, when you don't watch a TV show, when you don't hang out with people that aren't aligned with what you're about, that you sacrifice those parts of your life that do not sit well with you, your spirit tells you. You are sacrificing people specifically when you identify that you are a chosen person. Don't put yourself with people who haven't chosen Jesus. It's really hard. It's really hard. But it is a sacrifice that will make it easier for you to have more faith and trust and live a life for Jesus. Why? God sacrificed his beautiful son for us. I think we can make some sacrifices for him. Um, my other S is service. And I'm not talking just about please sign up for all the rotors because it's more than that. It's listening to the spirit being convicted, ministering to people when you're called to, if that's what happens to you. Give generously. Obey what you're told to do. Serving God is reading your Bible and doing what he asks you to do. It's about you with him, your relationship with him. But it also is set your alarm a bit earlier so you have more time to spend time with Jesus. Or don't just scroll on your phone pick up your Bible. You know, it's those practical steps that are service and action towards God. And Jesus will love it. (laughs) He'll love it. So we've got faith, action in your life, because you are a chosen person and you can trust in God. And if you have all of those things, you're actually going to want to sacrifice and serve. They're just going to come naturally out of it. And then you'll see a change in your heart. And then you will be more wholehearted for God. And we get to that point where we say, well, why aren't I already doing it? Why aren't I there? And Mark mentioned this before. Everyone says they're so busy. I'm so busy. If your luggage and your life is bursting with busy, bursting with you stuff, other world stuff, strongholds, busyness, your luggage will have no space for Jesus. Life is getting busier. Your luggage is getting more full. You have to stop. You're not going to get a bigger heart for God by being busy. You are not going to get blessed by being busy. You are not going to get all the blessings that are promised into us in the word by being busy. So you have to choose what you want. I've got two prayers, one that I'm going to read from Ephesians and one that I want to pray with everyone. Um, It's a reminder, it's what faith life is all about, but it's what I wanted to I wrote in this, um, this sermon back in August. 
is Ephesians 3, uh, verse 14 to 19. For this reason, I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ and to know that this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. When you seek him wholeheartedly, that fullness is available. It's there, it's waiting for us. And we pray about it, but you've got to live it. And I'm going to pray, but I think hopefully you've all got a little heart. A paper heart? If you haven't, don't worry, it's fine. This little paper heart, for you know, imagery purposes, is going to be that thing that I asked you about. What's your thing on your heart that is in your luggage that you need to unpack? I want you to hold it, and if you can and you're able to stand, and I'm going to pray, and we're going to, if you're ready, please hand it to him. Hand it over to him. Be more wholehearted for him. Okay, so if you'd like to stand, we'll just pray. Okay. Heavenly Father, we are not a finished product even when we are a new creation. And I thank you for this opportunity to change, to go on with you to perfection in your time. I thank you for the regenerative and awesome power of the Holy Spirit and of his ability to renew my heart for you. I ask you now in the name of Jesus for the humility to come and unburden myself and all of ourselves to you, to submit more to you, to be more wholehearted for you. I offer my submission and those submissions of those people here with us today who are submitting privately to you, I offer those submissions to you, Lord, and surrender. Take them, and we will get back more than we've ever imagined. For those, Lord, who need help being unburdened, I claim the power of the Holy Spirit that can break bondages and, make, and break chains, and healing and sever all ties. I claim that in the almighty name of Jesus right now. I am sorry <laughs> for the things that get in the way in my life. I'm sorry that I put them first. And I'm grateful that you allow me to unpack and repack my life luggage. And I ask Holy Spirit that you help me keep it unpacked and fill that space with you. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your love, your patience, your mercy and your kindness. And that your heart is perfect. And I thank you most of all, for the work completed on the cross so that we, your chosen people, have access to you and we can commune with you just as you wished at the very beginning in your plan. So this morning, I just, we offer our hearts to you, Lord, again. We recommit ourselves to you. Resubmit and surrender. And I ask for this as a powerful outward change that you can see daily in our lives as we walk with you at the center. Amen.